0: Welcome to the Southbank Centre podcast, where some of the biggest and most influential names in modern literature, art, music and performance share their stories, thoughts and ideas. In this podcast, we'll bring you a talk from this year's Being a Man Festival by writer, public speaker and activist Kevin Powell. You'll hear him talk about his new autobiography, The Education of Kevin Powell, about a boy's journey into manhood. For more podcasts and videos from this year's festival, go to southbankcentre.co.uk forward slash bam and join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag beingamanfest.
1: Welcome, everybody. My name is Jude Kelly. I'm the Artistic Director of the Southbank Centre. And actually, strange as it may seem, three years ago, I said, I think we should do a festival called Being a Man. It is quite difficult for all of us to talk about personal things, and especially things to do with what worries us or what our identity is. Also, there was some really horrible statistics which are still with us, which is that the main cause of death of boys and men under 49 in this country is suicide. And that's a terrible thing to think, that somebody would rather kill themselves than find another way out. And sometimes, you know, talking, sharing, thinking, rethinking is another way out. You know, boys and men are fantastic, absolutely fantastic. That's as a woman speaking. But when we've had the first festival, there were many boys and men who just were saying, it's great to have a chance to talk stuff out and to celebrate things that are about male culture as it currently is, and also to question things about male culture as it currently is. So this weekend is about this time, space and permission for boys and men to talk about stuff of all kinds and for girls and women to be there to support that talking. We, for the last three years, have been trying to get Kevin Powell to come and do this talking with us because he's an enormously respected activist in the US and all across the world, based on his own life experience, which he's going to talk about, of dealing with conflicting ideas, with issues to do with violence, with issues to do with what a man is, what super-masculinity is, etc. He's written this fantastic book called The Education of Kevin Powell, A Boy's Journey into Manhood, and he's regularly now talking about many of the issues which are very current. So please welcome Kevin Powell.
2: Good morning. morning. I want to thank God for this opportunity first and foremost. I'm really honored to be here. As I always say, I'm a Christian, but if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, even if you're atheist or agnostic, you have that right as well. I hope we all can agree that we're sisters and brothers, people in the human family, can we all agree to that? And that we have some work to do around things like love and peace and justice and nonviolence for all people. I want to talk very briefly on the topic of redefining manhood. This is important because something that a great actress From here in the U.K., Emma Thompson said a few weeks ago that there's a crisis of manhood. What's happening in the U.K., what's happening in America, what's happening around the world? My wife and I were traveling from Cardiff, Wales just this morning on the train. I was reading one of the local newspapers, and I saw at least four articles referencing rape in England and Wales, referencing sexual assault in the U.K., I can tell you all that we have a president of the United States, we don't need to say his name, who has a long list of women who have accused him of being a sexual predator. But somehow or another, he still was elected president of the United States. I mean, my gosh, America, one of our chief exports is our culture, coming out of Hollywood. It started with Harvey Harvey Weinstein. What is going on? Almost every single day, there's someone in politics in sports, in entertainment, in corporate America who identifies as a male who's being accused of some form of sexual violence or sexual harassment. It feels like what we had in America back in the 1950s and 1960s, this massive civil rights movement. It feels like what women had in America and around the world, a feminist, the feminist movement. The difference to me is that we as men are really being challenged in a very different kind of way. We need to really think about how we define or redefine manhood. Emma Thompson is right. There is clearly a crisis globally on how we define manhood. I'm asking all of us here, especially the men and the boys, no matter how young or how old you are, to just follow me for a second, because I think we cannot get to the root of this situation, this crisis of what it is to be a man if we're not willing to take a hard look in the mirror. And I'm glad to see young men here, young boys here, teenagers, preteens, because I wish there was a festival like this when I was coming up. The first male image that I ever got was my father. My mother and father never married, but I come from a working class background, from poverty. My father was at least 11, 12 years older than my mother. He got her pregnant, she fell in love with him, he fell in lust with her, and my father didn't even have the decency to be at the hospital when I was born. In the first eight years of my life, I saw my father maybe two or three times. One of the times, because he was a truck driver, he, he rode me around in his truck. What I remember, because I was only about six years old, seven years old, was that my father had images, pictures of naked women all around the truck. I'm gonna say it again, I was six or seven years old. And when he saw my nervous reaction, he just started laughing. No explanation whatsoever. A Couple years later, I'm eight years old. My mother calls my father to ask for help. Can you help us? We're poor. My mother has a grade school education. We're on government assistance. We're living in the worst kind of tenement. My father on this particular day said to my mother, you know what, you lied to me. He's not my son. I'm not gonna give you a nickel for him ever again. And he hung up the phone on my mother. That was my introduction to manhood. If we're honest, younger men, boys, and grown men in this room will be honest about the fact unless you had a teacher, or teachers or a school or a parent or parents or mentor or mentors who taught you differently, most of us grew up from the time we started school right up to the university level, not learning anything about the contributions of women and girls to this country, to my country, to anywhere in the world. I can tell you in the first 18 years of my life, if you asked me to name 20 male figures who were heroes, significant figures in history, I could just rattle them off. But if you said, well, name me 20 women, I would say Florence Nightingale, I'd probably say Helen Keller, I'd probably say Madame Curie, I'd probably say Rosa Parks, and then it would fall off, because I couldn't say anyone else. It's also our religious institutions. In the black community that I come from in America, women, dominate what we call the black church. But the preacher, more times than not, a man. All the folks in leadership positions, men. Patriarchy, male domination, male privilege was the order of the day. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. But it didn't stop there. We know in the mass media culture, popular culture, the destructive images of women and girls. If you watch a movie or a TV show, are there at least two women characters in the movie or TV show who are speaking for themselves, number one, and speaking to each other, and none of the conversations involve men. We're like, wow. Are they anything other than sex objects over here or caretakers or mother figures over there? We don't stop there. Our own families and communities. Where I come from, There's something called male policing in our communities, male policing in our communities, where even if you're a young boy, you're encouraged, one, the assumption is all of us are heterosexual, cisgendered, and that if we're gonna really be men, quote unquote, then we need to pursue, even before we're in puberty, girls. Are y'all with me out there? What ends up happening is things like what I did as a little boy you start touching girls inappropriately. You start talking about running trains on girls. This is American language, but it actually means gang rape. Little boys calling girls B-I-T-C-H's or H-O's, or as we say in America, thoughts. And there's no one stopping this behavior. And if you happen to be a boy who might be quote unquote different, we call you homophobic terms. This is male policing, and it happens in our sports world. I grew up an athlete, I love sports, but I can't tell you how many times That quote-unquote locker room talk that Donald Trump talked about, it actually permeates all of our spaces for men and boys. We wonder why one out of three women and girls on the planet will be the victims of some form of sexual violence in their lifetimes. We wonder why all these women are coming forth five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later saying hashtag me too, I have a story. It's because most of us who identify as males, as men, have been socialized in the same way. It doesn't matter our race, it doesn't matter our culture, it doesn't matter our religion or spiritual belief system, it doesn't matter how much money we come from or if we come from poverty. The common thread is we have been taught to define manhood as power and privilege and domination over each other and domination over women and girls and manhood is rooted in violence and hate and division and destroying bridges. When I got to college, I was told as an 18-year-old boy that there's so much sex happening on this college campus that we don't need electricity to keep the lights on. I was actually being encouraged to disrespect and disregard the women on our campus. I'm ashamed of the fact, and I talk about it in my book, how I treated some women on my college campus. I'm ashamed of the fact that there are names of people that I had sex with I can't remember their names. I'm saying this to you all because if we're gonna be men, we have to be honest about where we are, where we came from, because we're not gonna go forward in any shape or form. I'm ashamed of the fact that I was raised in a society where violence was normalized, and at a certain point in my life, I was not only violent towards males, but also women. The shift for me was when I was in my early 20s in July of 1991. I was living with a girlfriend who was also a writer like myself, also an activist like myself. And here I was, this activist who talked about race and racism as a black man all the time, but if you try to address sexism with me, I would shove it away, I would push it away, just like we, a lot of us men today don't want to hear women talking about sexism. My girlfriend and I at the time got into an argument, and my anger led me to push her into a bathroom door. She ran out of the apartment. I stood there realizing what I had just done. She came back, we ended up living together for another month or so, and then it was over. I was challenged. Just how women are challenging men in 2017, I was challenged by women in our community. You're a hypocrite, Kevin Powell, to think that you are a man, that you're some sort of social justice person, you say that you're about equality, but then you engage in this kind of behavior. I was challenged, on what I did not know about half the world's population. I was challenged by the fact that I could not have, if you would have said to me back then, Gloria Steinem, Bell Hooks, Audre Lorde, I'd be like, well, who are they? I was challenged that I could not even articulate anything about the contributions of women and girls on this planet, anywhere on the planet. I was challenged to start listening to the voices of women and girls. You know what I realized? All those years I was being raised by my mother and my aunts and my grandmother while I heard them over and over again tell stories, I was never really listening. We've gotta redefine manhood immediately. There's a crisis in manhood. No more of that men don't cry, boys don't cry, No, if you really are in touch with your humanity, no matter how you identify yourself gender-wise, you have to be able to express a range of emotions. For example, when I was growing up, I knew I wanted to be a writer since I was 11 or 12 years old. I loved the arts. That's why I'm happy to be in South Bank Center. I love the arts. But because I was told boys don't express themselves in certain kinds of ways, I literally kept that to myself until I was 18 years old because I'm like, well, I just need to be an athlete. I just need to focus on the masculine, the, the, the aggressive stuff. No, manhood redefined does need to be about peace. It does need to be about love. It does need to be about nonviolence. There's something wrong with this world when you look at all the conflicts happening and most of it is instigated by those of us who identify as males. I don't have time to sugarcoat this because I'm working with men in America all the time and I see all of this angst and hostility and confusion because most of us don't even realize that we're living in this box or what I call, or what we call, a male prison. We gotta also understand what it is to be an ally. And so something that we've gotta develop as men and boys is this word called empathy. We will never, never, never know what it's like to be a woman or girl, but we do need to learn how to have empathy for their stories and what they go through. As long as sexism is alive and well on this planet, we have got to be allies. And sexism is not going to end until we men and boys make it. And it's not gonna be on the women and girls, it's on us. Because we benefit from it and we are the ones who are the perpetrators of it. We also need to recognize that there are certain things that destroy men and boys over and over again. Power destroys us. Look at Parliament, look at the United States Congress, look at Hollywood. What these men have in common is an addiction to power. And so the question for us becomes, what are we going to do? If you've sat here and you can admit the way I admit it, at a certain point in my life, I barely know anything about the contributions of women and girls to this world, I've got some reading and studying to do. If you could sit here and admit that you've been one of those men or boys who have touched a woman or girl inappropriately, that you've said inappropriate things to them and you've never held yourself accountable, we've got some work to do. If you have people around you who engage in any kind of toxic behavior, but you say nothing about it, just by not saying anything, you become just as guilty. It's really that simple. Either you are against sexism or you're for sexism. And we got to stop saying things like, not all men. Until there are no men engaging in this kind of behavior, we got work to do. And the question is, what kind of work are you willing to do? We got to stop saying things like, well, what about the women? What about when they do it? my response to men and boys all the time is, we sure have a hard time focusing, don't we? Number two, no one said that I support violence in any form. At this stage in my life, I do not. But if you look at the statistics, do your research, most of the domestic violence cases are the men doing it to the women. We've gotta to get to love. I wish I could go back to eight-year-old Kevin, 12-year-old Kevin, 18-year-old Kevin, 25-year-old Kevin, and understand how important love is and how important self-love is for me as someone who identifies as a male, as a man. I wish I could go back and be hugged and given hugs. I wish I could go back and be encouraged to be in circles of boys where we talk, as you said, Sister Jude, about manhood. What does it mean to you? So we can actually engage in conversation. And I think we do ourselves a disservice as men and boys or anyone who's a man if we do not encourage healthy conversations about what it is to be a man. Honestly, in 2017, I'm like, man, am I going forward? Am I going backwards? But the one thing that I can say is constant for me now is that I am self-accountable. I'm not afraid to look in the mirror. I'm not afraid to listen to my wife, even when it may be uncomfortable at times, or other people and say, hey, you can be better than this. You can be a different kind of man if you're willing to do the work, and we've got to do the work. And I'm saying this with love to all the men out there and to the boys out there, because I believe in us just the way Jew believes in us. And when Jew was speaking, in spite of everything, I still love men and boys. And so what I think about now as I do this work, as I go forward, and what I want you all to think about, if you're 12, if you're 15, if you're 18, if you're 30, if you're 40, if you're 50, if you're older, is my behavior contributing to a new definition of manhood, to a new definition of humanity, to a new definition of love, or is my behavior contributing to business as usual? That's what we gotta think about. That's what being a man means to me. Thank you all very much. Could you tell us about some of your experiences or opinions on conflicting civil rights groups like Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, feminism versus equalism? Black Lives Matter, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, you know, Jude mentioned it. We also need to understand that Black Lives Matter was started by one person who identifies as a woman and two other who identify as queer women. And so one, I support Black Lives Matter because until there's justice in any society where people are not killed, because of the color of their skin, why can't we be specific? You know, it's like, it's like someone said, if we're talking about, say for example, breast cancer, you don't change it to another disease, we have to combat breast cancer. And so when people constantly change the subject, it's like they don't want to deal with the issue that's right in front of them. Just like some of us men don't want to hear all the women talking about sexual violence and sexual harassment. They'll say, well, what about when women do it? No, we're talking about the fact that most of the violence that we here is men doing it to women. And so we've got to be able to focus on things. And when people say all lives matter, that's making a wild assumption and I believe a racist assumption, that black people and other people of color don't care about all human beings when we actually do, but we're saying stop shooting us just because of the color of our skin. This is unacceptable, and it should be unacceptable to you too no matter what your identity is, if you really care about all human beings. You know, in America it's exhausting for us who are activists in America to hear people constantly saying, well, all lives matter. All lives matter. We know that all lives matter, but I should not, as a black person in this country, or my wife or anyone else I know who's black, feel like if we go to certain areas we're going to be confronted with a bullet just because of the color of our skin. I love all people no matter, I mean, I love the diversity of this space. I love all people. I love all people. I love all people. But if I'm African American or Welsh or Irish or Jewish, whatever my background is, I should also have the right to say that I love myself as a black person, as a Jewish person, as an Irish person, as a Welsh person, and my life is as valuable as yours. We should be able to do both, not either or.
0: Hi, my name's Des. Uh, Could you answer a quick question for me? Do you think Hillary Clinton lost the election because men wasn't ready for a female president?
2: You know, it's interesting because the Clintons both have been polarizing figures, but it's clear to me as a male ally that Hillary Clinton, with her qualifications... First Lady, United States Senator, Secretary of State, you know, a wide, we're talking about 40 years of work. It's obvious it's sexism. It's obvious sexism. I mean, half the people who voted for Donald Trump were women who I believe have so internalized the sexism that they voted for him because they didn't like Hillary Clinton. You know, it, it, it's, it's tragic and sad, but I think it's real. You know, and the reality is if people are gonna disrespect Hillary Clinton and say, well, look at her background, are you kidding me about Donald Trump's background? He's not even qualified to be President of the United States. He's not qualified to be anything. He inherited his wealth from his father. And we know that his father was a racist. This man has a track record of racism and sexism. You know, regardless of what we think about Hillary Clinton, I'm like, you know, how can you not see that this was sexism? That people simply didn't vote for her because she's a woman. I mean, we've now had 45 Presidents of the United States and Hillary was as close as we got. But I still don't know when it's gonna happen in our country because if you look at our, our version of your parliament, we barely have any women in Congress or United States Senate in 2017. In America, and I'm not sure what it is here, but in America, it still has not even been 100 years since women got the right to vote in our country. That says a lot. And the fact that you still have elected officials in 2017 telling women what you all can and cannot do with your bodies around abortions, et cetera, that says that we have a long way to go around equality for all people and and viewing women again as our equals, as our equals, as our equals, because women are our equals, our equals, our equals. But we've got to demonstrate that and even be able to say, okay, I can support women leadership. And I actually believe, and I don't know how you feel, Drew, but I actually believe if there were more women leaders in parliament, in congress, as heads of countries, there would be less violence all around the world. I believe that.
1: Okay, I think that the message of saying not only should everyone be included, but without everyone, the world is poorer. It isn't about including someone who's different than you. It's the fact that without their knowledge, life experience, understanding, you are poorer. And that's what we really need to try to get towards. So can we thank Kevin for a fantastic opening talk? Thank you,
2: thank you, thank you.
0: That's it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to keep up with the latest hot topics and big thinkers. For more information on what's going on at our venues, visit southbankcentre.co.uk or look us up on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can find all our podcast channels if you search for Southbank Centre on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcasts.